Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. I hardly know where to begin. Seriously, I, I keep saying to myself as I'm doing my read in, is this really July? Like what happened to the summer doldrums? There is <clears throat> every day so much political news. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm mindful. I'm not in a position to be able to respond to social media. It's There's just too much. But of course, I monitor it and I'm well aware of that grouping of POTUS listeners who's like heard enough about Donald Trump. Why are we talking? I'm sorry. This here, me now is not the place for you to be if you're trumped out because there is so much Trump news that is worthy of our attention. I watched former President Trump speak yesterday from Washington, D.C. and former Vice President Mike Pence. I thought that Yesterday, I thought my focus will be, okay. let's open the program and talk about these dueling visions and these dueling presidential would be candidates for 2024. Uh, And yes, I want to talk about them, but there's also some additional significant news pertaining to criminal investigation of Donald Trump that I want to get to as well. I'll begin with the speeches. Um, First of all, not easy to find for me, at least not easy to find. Donald Trump. I thought C-SPAN was going to to cover it. I want to talk to Steve Scully and, and find out. I'm curious, like, what what is their decision-making process? Are they going to avoid him? Is C-SPAN going to avoid Trump? CNN, we've talked about many, many times in 2016, tons and tons and tons of coverage of Donald Trump. Many still say that's what elected him. He got all that free media attention. And then CNN had an about face in the 2020 cycle. And wouldn't give him the, the the free press. I wonder what the mindset is of a of a C-SPAN and how they look at at Donald Trump. Brian Stelter said that uh, Mike Pence went first. He was speaking to the Young America's Foundation, outlining his freedom agenda. Fox showed seventeen minutes. That's a lot of TV time. Seventeen minutes of Pence's mid morning speech. Newsmax showed about ten. The big contrast came in the afternoon when Trump was speaking at the America First Policy Institute Summit. This, of course, his first trip back to Washington, D.C. And as Brian Stelter points out, Fox showed zero, zero minutes of Trump's speech. Newsmax aired the whole thing. I guess I could have gone to Newsmax to to watch it. I, um, Well, frankly, I was spinning all around in my guide and then I just gave up and I watched it online. Um Put that together and think about it for a moment, though. The Wall Street Journal, the New York Post both come out within the last week after that Thursday hearing, which went through the 187 minutes where Trump did nothing and said, this is not a guy who's fit to serve. Those are my words, but that was the gist of their editorials. 
Now, here comes Fox News giving him a goose egg in terms of coverage for his reemergence. I find significance in that. With regard to Mike Pence's speech, I was on with, uh, with Wolf Blitzer last night, and I was told in advance he's going to want to discuss uh, Pence and his comments that while some want to focus on the past, our elections are about the future, and did Donald Trump coming after him then prove him to be correct, Pence, in that Trump is stuck in the past. So I made notes to myself. If I'm doing a TV appearance, I, you know, in fact, I saved them. I like here's here are the things that are in my head. And if I get the opportunity, I'll get off my chest. What I intended to say is that maybe it's Pence who's in the past, because it seems to me that his brand of Republican politics is really very 1980s. And what I also intended to say is that Pence isn't going to scare anybody out of the race. Charlie Cook was here yesterday and noted that from his perspective, Trump has one half of the GOP base vote in lockstep. I agree with that round numbers. If Pence gets in, I don't think he frightens anybody else out. I think others will get in. Trump will have a multi-candidate field and Trump will defeat them. Could Pence beat Donald Trump one on one? I wondered that question as I was watching Pence yesterday, and I reminded myself that I used to wonder the same thing back in 2016 about John Kasich. Well, turns out last night I was on with Wolf and John Kasich, and I said to Governor Kasich, I thought of you as I was watching Mike Pence because I used to wonder, can you beat Donald Trump one-on-one? But of course, you never got the chance, and Mike Pence is never going to get that chance either. Consequently, I don't see Pence going anywhere. There's just not a lane that provides him with enough votes. I'll tell you a funny thing. Kasich got such a kick out of me telling him that that he called me last night and just wanted to rehash it, which was funny, and we shared notes. Wait, wait, wait. What are his notes? What is he up to? What is his future? um, What's he up to? You know what? It, It was just a nice conversation about what each of us is up to. And I told him that my work on CNN reminds me of his work on Fox in that he used to have uh, a television program that was once a week for an hour. I think it was called From the Heartland. My recollection is that he did it from Ohio. Like me, he like purposely wanted to stay out. And of it the, was different. Stay out of the mix. It was different. Right? And, and yeah, and it was different. Yeah, and it was so different. And then we talked about roots because I said, I got to know, are you Carpatho Rusin? And he said that he really wasn't sure. And, and we. Oh, and you're like, I know how you can find I, out. No, I said, I said, my, 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 my people. I said, my friend Rich Custer yeah. touts you as like one of the Carpatho Rusin, you know, yeah. to be proud of. Absolutely. So I'm going to try and help him. Uh, oh, this is fantastic. Figure out this what his. Kasich, uh, what his Rootstore. roots are. Yeah. With regard to Donald Trump. Okay. So I watched that speech as well. Policy speeches are not his forte. This was billed as a policy speech on crime. They are not his forte. And I think that this is just a, you know, an insight into him. The audience has come. The audience listening to a Donald Trump speech has come to expect more from him in terms of excitement and one liners. And Donald Trump reads a room, feeds on a crowd. And if the crowd is bored, he is bored. And what happens when he is bored? He deviates from the script. He just doesn't have any discipline. 
This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. So I tweeted one time during his speech and I said this, as I watch policy address as i watch dot 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 policy addresses are harder for trump than other pauls because of his need to feed off audience reaction like pavlov's dog he needs the reinforcement which rallies provide and when he himself gets bored he strays from the text okay so i send that off and then five minutes later clearly deviating from the script because he told us so he comes out with the line about transgender athletes which causes me to then retweet my own tweet is it okay to do that what's the twitter protocol can you i think people frown on that (laughs) i think oh they frown on me on twitter for everything (laughs) because the initial comment that i made was one of why are you protecting him why why are you being analytical michael why are you talking about him right now there's no you know (laughs) there's no uh, market, it seems, in the Twitterverse for just like an analysis, not an analysis that's for Trump or against or just an observation. Maybe people are just unaccustomed to not knowing exactly what you're going to say. Maybe in they other shouldn't words, follow me on Twitter the if they're not looking for, oh, there you go. for my pearls oh, of no, wisdom. They like that. Anyway, so then I retweet myself, whether that's lawful or not. I don't know. I say, and there you go. He deviates in a crime speech and says women should play, no women should play men's sports. I'm sorry, did I just screw that up? Whatever the hell I'm trying to say. He doesn't want transgender athletes participating. We know, he imitated them. And and gets a standing ovation. He was making reference to Leah Thomas and others. He went through this whole uh, meme where he's imitating a weightlifter. Clearly it was some a transgendered female who set a weightlifting record. And the crowd went crazy. He I, believe is, he call, I believe he called her a man named alice it was disgraceful okay he is and again this is not saying something favorable about him i'm just making an observation same thing i used to say about limbaugh he's a master entertainer he is a master entertainer and last night what i dropped on wolf's program i wish i'd saved it for my own program here but it occurred to me donald trump is an aging rock star 
He is an aging rock star insofar as he's got no new material. There is not a new album out. He intends to publish no new music, but he's still touring, and it's a greatest hits tour. Michael, when I saw that soundbite, I almost I, to me that was so perfect and then i wanted you to take the analogy even further like I might. all right so what is your what is your rule of how many have to be in the band three out of five or something right. like that like who's left what's happening what does it look like for 2024 <laughs> when i was like, when i was online and getting an ready aging to rock star well let oh, me no. let me flesh it out when i was when i was online and getting ready to watch the trump speech because i was watching it online I took note of the fact that Elton John music was still playing in the house. And there's always that issue. The Rolling Stones finally said to him, please stop playing. You can't always get what you want, which he used to close his rallies with. But the Elton John music continues. I happen to think those rock stars love it when he does it because I know how I am. If I hear Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or whatever it happened to be in a Trump thing, subliminally, I find myself later in the day reaching for, you know, my, my app and I'm looking at my Apple music. So it could have been Elton John that I heard. It could have been John Anderson in studio with me. It could be the fact that I just saw Dead and Company or it could be the fact that I'm about to see Roger Waters. But, you know, th- these, these are my guys. These are my people. And CNN had a story. Just ran within the last couple of days. We we posted it at Smirconish.com. Bob Dylan is 81 and touring nonstop and has been since the fall. Paul McCartney turned 80 last month shortly after wrapping up a North American tour for his Get Back shows. Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys is 80 and he's touring through September. The Rolling Stones featuring Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, both 78, selling out stadiums in Europe. The Who, Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey, 78 and touring into November. Eric Clapton is 77 and touring. Rod Stewart is 77 and touring. The aforementioned Elton John is 75. And Roger Waters, who I just mentioned, is 78. They are all on the road. And Donald Trump, just like them, does not have a new material, does not have a new album. But wait for it, ladies and gentlemen. Don't overlook this part. He is still packing them in. He is still packing them in. That was my takeaway from Donald Trump yesterday. There was no, if you tuned in looking for something new, you don't know Donald Trump. I never expected there was going to be something new. I wanted to see, can he keep himself under wraps for a quote unquote policy speech? And the answer is no. We learned some things about the investigations of former President Trump in the overnight that are really significant, I think. And I learned something personally which is that someone that I knew 30 years ago still know, someone with whom I spent time with many years ago in a different you know, political life, uh, was very wrapped up in the world of so-called fake electors. And when I tell you the background about the individual I know, who was doing work for the Trump campaign in this regard, it has, it has kind of a... Uh, shocking twist. So let me tell you that story in just a moment. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. So yesterday in Washington, a mile away from one another, you had the former vice president of the United States, Uh, trying to put himself in position to run in 2024 and the former president of the United States. It's it's kind of interesting that we go from, you know, Trump Pence to Trump v. Pence, as in versus Pence. I have said consistently with regard to Donald Trump that if he wants the nomination, it's his so long as three things apply. And you know what they are because you've heard them ad nauseum from me. He's got to be healthy. He's got to be solvent. And he's got to be unindicted. Well, there are developments with regard to the third of those two very big stories. They're they're now being reported by a variety of media outlets. But the Washington Post owns the first. And I think the New York Times owns the second. In fact, as I look at the Washington Post story where Carol Lennig has the lead of the byline, it's Carol Lennig, Devlin Barrett, Josh Dawsey and Spencer Sue. To me, it's like it was written so that it's it's put on the shelf and that later, maybe you go back and you say, ah, remember when the Washington Post broke that story and it's written in a, a fashion that is for the ages. Here's what I'm talking about. The lead says this. The Justice Department is investigating President Donald Trump's actions as part of its criminal probe of efforts to overturn the 2020 election results, according to four people familiar with the matter. Prosecutors who are questioning witnesses before a grand jury, including two top aides to Vice President Mike Pence, have asked in recent days, have been asked in recent days about conversations with Trump, his lawyers and others in the inner circle who sought to substitute Trump allies for certified electors from some states. Joe Biden won, according to two people familiar with the matter. So. What the story is essentially saying is that this is the first time that the, the Washington Post. Let me see if I can tell you how they worded it. Yeah. The Washington Post and other news organizations have previously written that the Justice Department is examining the conduct of Eastman Giuliani and others in Trump's orbit. But the degree of prosecutors interest in Trump's actions has not been previously reported, nor has the review of senior Trump aides phone records. So. This is the Washington Post saying, hey, you know, for all that talk of of very recent weeks, like we've got Fulton County, Georgia, and we've got uh, we've got the um, the investigation that had been conducted previously by 
the Southern District, by the Attorney General of New York, by the Manhattan District Attorney, you know, by all these different arms of the law and the January 6th committee, even though they can't indict. And people have been saying, well, where's Mayor Carlin? Where's the Justice Department? This is the media confirmation that Donald Trump himself is being investigated. And what is he being investigated for? Among other things, he's being investigated for this fake elector scheme that has become a major uh, component of the Justice Department inquiry. In fact, the Washington Post, sticking with their coverage, and of course, it's linked at Smirconish.com today, says the January 6th investigation, by some measures, is the largest ever undertaken by the Justice Department. So Donald Trump is himself, I don't want to say the focal point, but his conduct is being, how's this, evaluated, investigated by justice. The second story, which is a related story, goes more in detail on the so-called fake elector scheme. It's from the New York Times headline, kind of wild slash creative emails shed light on Trump fake elector plan. And this leads the New York Times print edition today. I have a print copy above the fold, upper right. It's Maggie Haberman and Luke Broadwater who got their hands on explosive emails from Trump advisors who were concocting. This is the Politico summary, and then I'm going to go into it myself, who were concocting the fake electors scheme after the 2020 election messages that show they knew the plan might be illegal and which provide new details of how a wing of the Trump campaign worked with outside lawyers and advisors to organize the elector plan and pursue a range of other options, often with little thought to their practicality, so say Haberman and Broadwater. So this is all about the so-called fake elector scheme. Um, my summary, not theirs. You know, in states they were disputing, they were coming up with alternative slates of electors in their own communications. They were regarding them as fake. It raises the question of whether there was a fraud here. Were they perpetrating a fraud? Did they know what they were doing was illegal, was wrong? It kind of gets into that old mens rea argument I've raised about Donald Trump himself. If he really believed the election was stolen from him and he's acting pursuant to that belief, it changes some of the calculus by which his conduct has to be evaluated. A little more about this story and then, and then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna give you the twist that the New York Times doesn't have. And I think what I tell you is is worthy of a follow-up story, and I'd be shocked if we didn't see it within 24 hours. So here's the literal lead of the Times version of the fake elector story. Previously undisclosed emails provide an inside look at the increasingly desperate and often slapdash efforts by advisors to President Donald J. Trump to reverse his election defeat in the weeks before the January 6th attack, including acknowledgments that a key element of their plan was dubious, was of dubious legality and lived up to its billing as, quote, fake. In other words, this is Michael speaking. These communications use the word fake. The dozens of emails among people connected to the Trump campaign outside advisors and close associates of Mr. Trump show a particular focus on assembling lists of people who would claim with no basis to be electoral college electors on his behalf in battleground states that he had lost. 
in emails reviewed by the New York Times and authenticated by people who had worked with the Trump campaign at the time, one lawyer involved in the detailed discussions repeatedly used the word fake to refer to the so-called electors who were intended to provide Vice President Mike Pence and Mr. Trump's allies in Congress a rationale for derailing the congressional process of certifying the outcome. And lawyers working on the proposal made clear that they knew that the pro-Trump electors they were putting forward might not hold up to legal scrutiny. There's a quote from Jack Walenchek, a Phoenix-based lawyer who helped organize the pro-Trump electors in Arizona, as saying, quote, we would just be sending in fake electoral votes to Pence so that someone in Congress can make an objection when they start counting votes and start arguing that the fake votes should be counted. What a brilliant word choice by this guy, you know, whose, whose conduct is now, I'm sure, being looked at along with everybody else involved in this. Isn't that an admission that they know what they're doing is wrong and that this is fraudulent? I think the use of the word fake makes it much more difficult to defend. All right, so I'm reading the story, and further along it talks about how Boris Epstein, a strategic advisor in the Trump campaign, became the point person. Are your eyes glazing over, TC, because you're my barometer on this? This is important stuff. I'm still following you. Okay, pay, attention. You. pay attention to this part. I will, pay, Michael, I will pay attention. Here comes the twist. Okay. So further along in this story, it says, Mr. Epstein and Mr. Roman, the email showed, coordinated with others who played roles in advising Mr. Trump. Among them were the lawyers, Jenna Ellis, Bruce Marks. What? Bruce Marks? I know Bruce Marks. I've known Bruce Marks for decades. Haven't seen Bruce Marks in years. Don't know when the last time was that I spoke to Bruce Marks, but back in the day when, you know, I was cutting my teeth as a younger Republican, Bruce was on the rise in Philadelphia politics. Tell you about him in just a second. So then further along in the story, it talks about the role that he played. And it says, Mr. Marks in an email disputed that there was anything inappropriate or improper at work. I do not believe there was anything fake or illegal about the alternate slates of delegates and particularly Pennsylvania, he said. There was a history of alternate slates from Hawaii in 1960. Nothing was secret about this. They were provided to the National Archives, as I understand the procedure, and then it's up to Congress to decide what to do. Mr. Marks added, I had no involvement with Professor Eastman's advice regarding the vice president's role, which I only learned about after the fact and do not support. And then there's further reference to Bruce uh, later in the piece. Uh, the lawyers were aware their legal efforts were being ridiculed. On December 23rd, Mr. Marks wrote, you folks are getting killed in the media on litigation strategy, even on Fox and among conservatives. Okay. So what's the point? The point is that the person I know and have known well over a period of years, Bruce Marks, a lawyer, um, himself very active in Republican politics, apparently played a critical role in this process that the New York Times describes as putting forth fake electors, blend it now together with the Washington Post, uh, thought to be of such significance that Donald Trump himself is being looked at for his role in connection with this uh, quote-unquote scheme. The twist is that Bruce was himself, I mean, to some they will say that Bruce, 
They'll wonder whether Bruce was himself attempting to to perpetuate a fraud in this process. I mean, that's really what's between the lines of the New York Times. Was this all on the up and up? Bruce Marx was himself the victim of election fraud, of real election fraud back in the early 90s. So much so that in an unprecedented move, he was seated as a member of the Pennsylvania State Senate for this. I had a front row. I think I was then working in the federal government and wasn't allowed to be involved in his campaign. But believe me, I would have been involved in his campaign on his side. I think I have, I have recollection of being there the night that he declared victory, even if I hadn't taken an active role in his campaign. The history is that Bruce ran for an inner city state Senate district. He had been uh, a supporter of, friend of, worker for uh, the late great United States Senator Arlen Specter. That's something that we've had in common, as well as our mutual friendship with the senators, one of the senator's sons. So Bruce runs for this like, you know, nascent campaign for the state Senate within a city district in Philadelphia in a special election in 1993. In 1993. And he wins. I'm 98% sure of what I'm now telling you, but you'll fact check me. Somebody will. My recollection is that he wins the machine vote, but he loses on absentee ballots. And it didn't smell right from the get-go. And lo and behold, Bruce and his campaign, with the, with the support of the Philadelphia Inquirer, I don't remember if anybody earned a Pulitzer in this, but this was like a day-to-day major news story in Philadelphia. All eyes were on the second Senate, Pennsylvania State, Senate Congressional District. And what ended up being revealed... Uh, in the court of one Clarence Newcomer, a federal judge, no bullshit kind of guy, first case I ever tried was in front of Clarence Newcomer. So, you know, like, this is all so old home here. So what ended up being revealed is that the absentee ballots were largely fraudulent. And the nature of the fraud, as I recall, this was a lar- there was a significant Hispanic component to this inner city state Senate district. And Bruce is, you know, running an uphill battle as a Republican against a guy who the Democrat was Bill Stinson, uh, who was the favorite, but Bruce was a hustler. He's out there, he's, you know, burning up the shoe leather, knocking on doors and so forth. He was the white knight. And Bruce is able to prove to Judge Newcomer that Hispanic voters in particular were subject of the fraud in that you needed to be absent from the jurisdiction in those days in order to cast an absentee ballot. And the allegation was that the Stinson campaign had gone out and had said to Hispanic voters, hey, you know, here, why don't you just vote absentee? And, of course, we want you to vote for the Democratic candidate. They weren't allowed to vote absentee unless they were going to be gone from the jurisdiction on Election Day, and that wasn't the case. And many of the Hispanic voters, TC, I think, ended up testifying. Hey, they came, they showed me an absentee ballot, they asked me to fill it out, they aided me. No, I was I was not leaving the jurisdiction. And the federal judge overturned the result of the election and seated Bruce Marks. So he was in the state Senate for a short time period because in the next election, the Democratic candidate, again, doing this from memory, defeated him. I think it was Marge uh, Tartaglione's daughter. 
Uh, that's another story. Um, and that was it. Bruce Marks, Michael, what's the takeaway? You the just told me this long is story. Insane, the though. backstory is insane. <laughs> that a lawyer <laughs> rel- up? a lawyer relied upon by the Trump campaign. By the way, makes total sense. I was going to say, why they, would they the Trump camp- they, Why would the Trump campaign want Bruce Marks? Because Bruce Marks really was the victim oh, of no. voter right. fraud like it in Philadelphia. This is amazing. And Bruce is the guy whose name appears in today's newspaper as being involved in the quote-unquote fake electors. A guy who really was victimized by voter fraud working for a campaign and an effort, in my opinion, that was not the victim of voter fraud. But you can see now how it all makes sense to, to, to Donald Trump. That, as Paul Harvey would say, now you know the rest of the story. How long until Maggie Haberman... Uh, writes a profile piece of Bruce and, and notes his, his interesting history as it relates to this. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America. 